Good morning. Good morning. So good to see you this morning. Uh, my name is Pastor Chris. I am the campus pastor here at Milestone McKinney. And uh, just like uh, Alex mentioned, uh, each and every week it's someone's first time. That's a big deal to us. And uh, if it is your first time, I haven't had an opportunity to meet you yet. I look forward to meeting you after service. So thank you again for joining us. Well, we're wrapping up our series called United. And uh, we've kind of been on this journey going through the book of Ephesians chapter by chapter. And uh, you can turn in your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. And uh, we're going to look at um, really what Paul says about something that we all experience, whether you realize it or not, whether you've just started walking in a relationship with Jesus, whether you've been serving the Lord for a long time, and it's spiritual warfare. What does that mean? What does that look like? And we're going to look at the words of Paul and what he says in Ephesians chapter 6 and learn a little bit more about that. But before we do, I want to celebrate just the fact uh, of how so many of you have responded and taken this journey together as we've gone through this book of Ephesians and gone through the series called United. And uh, it's been amazing because not only have so many of you uh, been uh, a part of a small group, and what's neat is because of kind of the climate and the season we live in, some small groups have simply been families, families getting together and doing it together. Some have been online, some have been meeting in homes and doing small groups together. But one of the neat things is uh, just the way you've also not only taken this journey and gotten into these small groups together to learn about the book of Ephesians and learn about uh, God's word and how to live it out in our everyday life, but how you've also served others. And if you've been around Milestone uh, for any amount of time, you do know and you're familiar about uh, a day that we take where we kind of highlight and just focus in called Serve Day. And we just kind of, as a church, we just kind of take over the city in red shirts and just kind of serve in multiple ways and multiple capacities. But how many of you know that you don't have to take just one day to serve? You can serve 365 days a year. And we've been taking this series, this time, and really being intentional in our small groups, <clears throat> excuse me, to serve other people. And uh, I've already heard some amazing stories uh, that ha people who have already started serving, some will be serving this week, some will be serving, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, this coming weekend. But here's just a few of the pictures of some of the things that y'all have done. This is actually a couple of stories about some single moms that were blessed. One was a one of our uh, online groups found out about a single mom who had her disabled brother uh, living with her as well as his four-year-old uh, uh, daughter. So he, it was her four-year-old niece. And then she had an 11-year-old child. They were moving and they needed some help. And so this small group came and they simply put in a moving bat, like a, a move-in kind of welcome basket. They had meals. They had food for the pantry. Uh, there was a gift card uh, to get groceries and other household supplies. Uh, they put a closer book in there, a Bible, invited them to church. And it was just amazing. This family was just overwhelmed with the gener generosity and the love of this small group. And then there was another, there was a teacher who uh, found out about one of her children's moms, uh, seven, uh, seven people in the family, 
um, and she had a very difficult pregnancy, was very overwhelmed, and so they said, can we make you a meal? She said, well, sure, I won't turn down free food, and so they made her a meal, but when they showed up, they had diapers, they had uh, supplies for the kids, they had toys for the kids, there was a gift card, again, gave them a Bible, gave them a closer book, gave them all these research, just overwhelmed this family, she was just in tears, didn't know you know, what, like, what is happening here? Just surprised. And uh, it's just amazing to hear these stories. And I've heard of so many others. And I'll, I look forward to sharing some more of these stories with you. But it's amazing. Thank you for being the church. That's what I love about everyone church. It's not just a certain group of people. It's not just the staff and the team. It's all of us coming together, listening and being aware. What are the needs around me? Oh, that's a need. I can serve that need. It was a teacher. Just heard of a mom, okay? It was someone that was moving in to, uh, to the same apartment complex and just aware of what was happening and used it as an opportunity to serve. So thank you so much for doing that. And it's exciting to see, and I'm excited to share some more of the stories uh, of lives being impacted and changed. You're making a difference. So thank you so much for doing that and just being uh, really the hands and feet of Jesus. Well, as we continue in this series, uh, or we wrap up this series, we've been looking at the words of Paul in Ephesians 6. And uh, we called this series United for a reason. That wasn't just, you know, good marketing or branding or we thought it would be catchy or fun. There was something we wanted to communicate and we were really picking up on what it looks like to see and understand and recognize Overall, what is Paul saying? Paul is saying, look, I want you to catch and I want you to gauge and I want you to gather what this looks like to live unified. There's this overarching theme, unity, unity, unity. And, th- and as we look through this, there's actually a couple of promises that Paul lines out in Ephesians. And, and the first is just that, it's unity. And, and we started to look that as we understand that there's this unification, we can be unified with Christ. In fact, we can live a life in Christ because we're included in Christ. Paul kind of starts out talking about, look, I want you to understand who you are in Jesus. You can actually know him better and you can have a life-giving relationship with him. And then he gets real practical as we continued in the book of Ephesians. And he talks about this, this confidence, this strength that you can have being seated with Christ. And, and he starts talking about you, there's this distribution model, just like we got done celebrating. There's this way that we want to see people reached and impacted, and it's called the church. But in order to do that, there's this empowering that has to happen. You need to be filled up. You need to be built up in order to do what God has called you to do so that you can be who God has called you to be. And then last week, the second part of Ephesians 5, we talked about what it looks like when two become one. Two become one. Talked about marriage. Talked about even relationships, even if you're not married. But talked about what does it look like when the two become one and how do we live unified in our relationships? How do we live live unified in our marriages? And so we're looking at what he's talking about and we're looking about uh, uh, we're looking at all these promises that we have access to. And then today, we're going to look at probably the most comprehensive scripture on spiritual warfare. What does that mean? What does that look like? Spiritual warfare and, and the fact that we have to understand what it looks like. And Paul is writing here in Ephesians 6 and helping us understand what that is. You see, you're gonna, you got to realize that it really is. You're in a battle. You're in a spiritual battle. And it's challenging. And we all go through difficult and hard and challenging things, challenging times. And sometimes we don't know why. 
We don't know why we go through the challenges we go through. We don't know why we have the hard times we have. Sometimes it's just because we live in a fallen world. There's a sin nature. People make mistakes. But God is bigger than those things. And, and we have to understand and, and look like, what does it look like to go through those hard times? You all know people who go through hard times. And when they go through hard times, it either defines them or they define it. They walk through those seasons and they walk through those times. And have you ever seen people say, man, they just walk through it. And you're like, man, how did they do that? Well, how do they walk through hard? We're all going to walk through it. And really, in reality, we only have one option is to walk through these challenging seasons. But we can. We can walk through them. But it's not that there's a special group of people or just some super Christian that kind of walks through these challenging times. It's an equipped people. And the reason they walk through it differently is because they have the right equipment. You know what I'm talking about. How many of you ever tried to like hang a picture on the wall, put a nail in the wall? You can't find the hammer, so what do you do? You grab the closest thing. You grab a shoe. You grab a stapler. You're trying to get it right, and you're like, you're messing up your shoe. You break the stapler. You got scuff marks all over the wall. It's amazing how when you have the right tools, the job, the thing you're trying to build becomes much easier. You see, I'm passionate about you having the right tools to build the life and the marriage and the spiritual foundation that God has called you to have. But what happens is we get overwhelmed and we get discouraged because we don't have the right tools. And we're trying to live this life by putting a nail in the wall with a flip-flop and we wonder, why is it not working? Because you need a little bit more than just a flip-flop to get that nail in the wall. But see, when you think about like fighting and spiritual warfare and learning how to build and thinking about, well, how did, you know, okay, I hear you saying, Pastor Chris, not a special group of people. It's, you know, super Christians. It's people that are equipped. And because they're equipped, they have the right equipment. Well, the reality is when you walk through things in life, you're going to face challenges. And those challenges can bring out fears and anxiety. We all have fear. We all have anxiety. We all have things that, that worry us, that, that we get concerned about, that we get overwhelmed by. You know, I, I think about growing up, I, I can remember one of the fears I had. You know, I played sports growing up and played soccer, played football as I got older. But kind of in the, you know, 7, 8 through like 12-year-old age, I, I played baseball, you know. And I loved baseball because it was like a license to throw hard objects at another person. I'm the oldest of three boys, and growing up as the oldest of three boys, I used to get in trouble for throwing hard objects at my brothers. You know, my dad was like, don't throw rocks, don't throw hammers. Don't, I, mean, I don't know why I thought it would be a good idea to throw a hammer at my brother, but, you know, oh, it was at the time, you know. And it's like, what is happening, you know? But baseball is like, here's a hard object. Just because they have a glove and a bat, you can throw it at them, you know. So I'm playing baseball, you know, and T-ball, it's great, you know, hit it off the tee, and then you get to coach pitch, and then you get to kid pitch, and then, you know, I, I'll be honest, you know, I, I, I was kind of a late bloomer when it came to sports, you know, and I know what you're thinking, we can tell, Pastor Chris, okay, but, I mean, it was like, I, it, I was, it never failed, I'm always with these older kids, I can remember getting to high school, I'm in freshman orientation, his name is Corey Payne, I still remember Corey. We're walking in freshman orientation, and I felt like I was looking up to him. It was like Jack and the Beanstalk or something. Corey had a full-on beard at like 14 years old. I'm like, 
do I have hair under my arms? I don't know. You know, what's happening here? It's like, and so it's like, that was the story of my life. But baseball, it was kind of a little bit of an equalizer. So I felt real confident, you know, eight, nine years old. And, you know, now I'll be honest, you stand in that batter's box. They start, some of these kids that had like full-on beards, they're throwing the ball kind of fast. You get a little gun shy, you know, you get nervous about it, right? And like, he's throwing it, he's getting real close to me. That ball gets close to you, you kind of back up a little bit, right? Well, I can remember... I was playing, he was either shortstop or second base, and I can remember the, the, the batter hit the ball, popped it way up in the air, and I'm like, now's my moment, you know, I'm going to show, him. and I'm here, and I'm just waiting, I'm just waiting for that ball, I'm waiting, waiting, and it was, I mean, it was way up there, I'm just waiting for it to come down, okay, and I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm actually having flashbacks right now, so if I have a moment, just pray for your pastor, so I'm waiting, and I, here it comes, here it comes, and it was like a bright day, you know, and I kind of lost it, but then I pick it up again, and I'm in perfect position. Here I am. Here I am. They're going to cheer for me. I'm going to catch the out. They're going to carry me out on their shoulders. Yeah, Chris, Chris, Chris. I, always, I could already envision it, right? That's the, that's the mark of a good athlete. You envision those things before it happens. Here it comes. Here it comes. Here it comes. It passes my glove. Boom, pops me right in the lip. Boom. I'm like blood everywhere. I'm like, do I have all my teeth? You know, and I'm like, I don't care. I mean, that ball's on the ground. Blood everywhere. That ball, he could have he ran around the bases four times for all I cared at that point. All I knew is I just got smacked in the lip with a baseball, okay? And it was like, at that point, I was like strikeout king for the rest of the year. I stand in that batter's box. Here's the batter's box. I'm like, go ahead, man. You just go ahead. Right here. I ain't getting hit with no baseball again. I mean, can we, like, is there anything else we can do? I can go up in the stands. They got popcorn and hot dogs up there. Let's do something there. I'm not sure what's happening. I don't want, but here's the thing. You go, what's the point of the story, Pastor Chris? Here's the point. We've all been hit with the ball before. Spiritually, we've been hit with the ball before, and it's like the devil's just throwing that ball at you and just popped you right in the lip. And you're going, what do I do? And we get a little gun shy. We're like, you know, I, I don't want any more. I, I'm going to go up into the stands. I'm going to go. I was like, can you put me in right field? You know, it's like the song says. They don't hit the ball out in right field. I'll go out in right field. You're going, I want to go out in right field. I don't want any part of this. And so we walk through difficult times. We walk through challenging moments. But the reality is we have only one option. is to respond to that difficult moment when the enemy throws everything he can at you and walk in victory in the spiritual battle that we all face. You can do that. You can be equipped to do that. God wants you to be equipped to do that. That's what Paul's talking about here. Saying you don't, you, the, those challenges you face in marriage, the challenges you face with your children, the financial challenges you're facing, the challenge you're facing in work, the decision that you're needing to make, you feel like every single turn the enemy just keeps bringing something at you. Can I tell you something? You're in a spiritual battle. We're in a fight. And it's a spiritual one. It's a spiritual battle. And the enemy, that's what Paul's talking about in Ephesians 6. The enemy has these schemes that he wants to bring. We're going to look at what that, what that means, schemes. The enemy's schemes. That word in the Greek is methodia. There's a method to his madness and how he comes at you and how he attacks you. Because we are facing a very real enemy who the Bible says wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And you can walk in victory over this very real enemy. Because as the Bible says, is we're not ignorant of the enemy's devices. We know his playbook. He overplays his hands. And we know 
We know how he's going to come at us. We know how he's going to attack us. We know the methods that he's going to use in his playbook to come at us. And the Bible is very clear about what those two things are. It's liar and accuser. First, he's a liar. He's the father of lies. He, he, he lies and, li- and he paints lie after lie after lie. In fact, John chapter 8, verse 44, the second half of that verse says this. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. There is no truth in the enemy. There is none. He's a liar. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. You see, he comes, and what he'll do is he gets real deceptive. He changes the wrapping, but it's all still the same method. It's lies. What you did is who you are. Yeah, yeah, yes, you may have made a mistake, but that mistake is not who you are. That's a lie of the enemy. And what he'll do is he'll bring facts, but truth trumps facts. The facts are, yeah, you made a mistake. The facts are, things are difficult. The facts are, this happened or that happened. But the truth is, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. The truth is that he comes and you are a new creation. And what you once did is not who you are because he has transformed you from the inside out. That is the truth. But the second play, the second method he has, the second play in his playbook is he's an accuser. He will always accuse someone to you. And he'll always come and twist and pray. He, he wants to bring division. That's what it talks about in Revelations as the accuser. Revelations 12.10 says, For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. You see, he is an accuser. All he does, lie and accuse. Lie and accuse. Lie and accuse. But there are some things that we can do if we're not careful that set ourselves up to to be prone and susceptible to the methods, the attack, the the weapons that he brings at us. First is this, is if you ever, and you've been here before, and if you have a five-year-old, you know what I'm talking about. If you ever want something so bad that you convince yourself that you got to have it, and there's nothing that's going to stop you, you're just going to keep coming and coming, and you're looking at that little five-year-old going, that's going to help you one day, but not today. That's going to get you a spanking, okay? It's like you're grounded, you know? You're going to your room, whatever it may be. There's a consequence on the other end of that. You're the same way. You're just a grown-up version. Got to have it, got to have it, got to have it, got to have it. And any time that you do that and you put that above God's truth, then what begins to happen is you make yourself susceptible to the lies and the accusations of the enemy. Because what happens is you end up making your opinion more important than the conviction of this word. You see, there's opinions all over, and the enemy has heightened his game. I think, I mean, I get real passionate. It's why we do the retreats we do. It's why we have a team that focuses on these young people, because I'm telling you, young people today face it far greater than we ever did, okay? I'm 42 years old. I thought I had it bad. They've got it bad because it's on that phone in front of them all day, every single day. The lies and the accusations. Well, they left me out, or they said this, or look at that, or I'm not this, and I'm not that. Over and over and over and over and over again. And that's what the enemy does. 
But in to, and, and the reality is, sometimes we do that as adults as well. But until this word and the conviction of this word is greater than the opinions that we have, then we're going to be susceptible to the lie and the accusation of the enemy. Here, here's another way that, that you'll make yourself susceptible to the weapons and the attack of the enemy is that when you assign motive and accuse people for things that you actually don't know for certain. It's always very dangerous. It's dangerous when you begin to assign motive to people. Well, they did this because of fill in the blank. And you actually don't know for certain that's why they did that. But when you begin to assign motive, what begins to happen is you make yourself susceptible to the lie of the enemy. But here's a promise. Here's the good news. The good news is we can win in these battles. I love Isaiah 54, 17. There's probably not a week that goes by that I don't quote this to somebody. No weapon formed against you will prosper. That word formed in the Greek means custom made. There is a custom made weapon the enemy has for you. And the custom made weapon he has for you is different than the one he has for me. But God's promise is <clears throat> it won't win. It won't win. It won't win. It will not win prosper you can have victory how do i know that because i look at the words of john in first john first john chapter 4 verse 4 says you dear children are from god and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world you see, the one who is in you, Jesus, the one who is in you, it's what we were reminding ourselves of when we were receiving communion. The one who's in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And so you can have victory. You can walk in victory. And that's what Paul's talking about in Ephesians 6, verse 10. Let's read it. He's wrapping up, and here's what he says. All these things, I love how he starts here. All these things that we've been learning in the book of Ephesians, here he is in verse 10. He says, finally... Finally, he's bringing it all together. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. We're going to unpack a little bit what that looks like and what that equipment means and how it helps us in everyday life. He says, put on the full armor of God that you can take your stand against the devils. There it is, schemes, the methodia. The schemes, the plan, the strategy that he has. You can stand against the strategy of the enemy in your life because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Why? Because you can be strong in the Lord. You can be strong in the Lord. And then he goes on and watch what he says in verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, I don't know about you, depending on how you grew up and the heritage you grew up in, you read that, and you may think on one end, you're thinking, like, I had a mom. She was, she was what many would call, she was like an intercessor. That just meant she just prayed, just prayed, prayed. I mean, she prayed the paint off of walls for me. Okay. There was a season when I wasn't serving the Lord. She was a, a, a leader in the youth group, and she was discipling these young girls. And Wendy, who is now my wife, was one of her co-leaders. Wendy was praying for me before she even really knew me or before we ever even started, became friends or dating because every, my mom with like these like high school girls and Wendy were like, let's pray for my very, very lost son, Jesus. Like that's, every week it was like that was what they were praying, you know, it's like, Thank you, you know, I was like, okay, well, but it worked, intercessory prayer, just praying, just, I'm praying the pain off the of walls, but some of you have been around, let's be honest, sometimes there are those people that show up, and they're like, 
I got a gift. If someone shows up and says, I got a gift of intercession, sometimes, you know, maybe you've been around someone like that, and you know, you're like, oh, okay, that's a little much, a little much, let's dial that back. And so you hear spiritual warfare, intercessory prayer, you're like, I don't know, that sounds a little weird, Pastor Chris, I don't know. Well, here's the other end of that. You can't just intellectualize your way out of it and just act like it doesn't exist. Because you're in a battle with a very real enemy. And it's a spiritual battle. You're not getting hit in the face with a baseball. Life is coming at you, and it's a very spiritual, very real, very spiritual battle. But you can win. You can win. And the, the reality is this, is that it will be battles that you will always fight, but a war that you can win. You're going to walk through these things. But as he said, if you'll bring back up uh, verse 10 through 12 in Ephesians 6, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. You can't get through this just by willpower. It's not through your flesh that you walk through it. It's not through all of those things. Because your battle is, look, your problem is not your spouse. Your problem is not your boss. Your problem is not your child. Your problem is not your finances. Your problem is not your circumstance that you're walking through. Your problem is there is a very real spiritual enemy that is coming against you, fighting you to keep God from moving in your spouse, in your marriage, in your kids, in your family, in your work, in your boss, whatever it may be. The problem is not all those things. But what we have to do is learn how to walk in those things. Because what I want you to understand is what Paul let out with in verse 10 is that you can be strong in the Lord. You can be strong in the Lord. You can live life strong in the Lord. Paul's using a metaphor that they all understood. Armor. The armor of God. Some of you will remember this growing up. Maybe you were in Sunday school or learning this in church. You remember this. Your kids will come home from Milestone Kids and they'll have some cutout or they'll have a helmet or they'll have whatever. And It's the armor of God. Now we don't know if this is a Greek or a Roman soldier. But we do know that the people he's speaking to, this young church in Ephesus, is going to understand and relate to this analogy, this example, this metaphor of armor. And I want to break down, and, and I'm just going to do it all at one time, just for time's sake, this armor, this equipment, right? You, you, you go through it differently. People who are equipped go through hard times differently because they have the right equipment. Paul's saying, hey, here's some of the equipment. He starts with the belt of truth. Well, why is that important? Because the belt holds it all together. It holds up your sword, which your sword is ultimately the only offensive weapon you have. What is the sword? It's this right here. It's the Word of God. The Word of God. You have the sword of the Spirit. He goes on and says the breastplate of righteousness. What does that do? It guards our heart. It's our feet that are fitted with the gospel of peace. What does that allow us to do? To not only stand on His truth, but be ready for action. To do and be who He's called us to be and what he's called us to do. There's a shield of faith that covers us from attacks and then there's the helmet of salvation that guards our mind. You see, we have to be aware of how the enemy will bring a spiritual attack and this equipment helps us walk through that as we're aware of it. As I look back over our life, my life, and then our marriage and our life together, Wendy and I, I can always tell every time as God was leading us into new things, there were challenges that we experienced. I can remember before we moved out here, God speaking to me and just honestly, he was, he was encouraging me and building my faith. I knew it was going to be a season where we just might experience health challenges. And sure enough, 
moving out here, moving into a new season, a new role, building and seeing what God has already started to do and how God just keeps filling this room with people that are going, I want to reach people, I want to build lives, I want a life-giving relationship with Jesus. And not only that, not only do I want to come, I want to bring people along with me. It's been amazing that even in the back end, on the back end of this, and we're still in the middle of this global pandemic, but as we started regathering in early June, just how people have just been coming and lives have been changed. People are getting saved. People are getting baptized. People are taking next steps. It's amazing to see God working, and yet all the long, sure enough, health challenges. It could be kids just constantly sick with some little illness. It could be Wendy and health challenges with her knees or multiple surgeries. It could be something small or something big, and yet all the while recognizing it's a spiritual attack. And you may listen to that and go, well, man, Pastor Chris, I mean, I was hoping to come to church, get encouraged. You're going to tell me, like, if, if I serve Jesus, I'm going to get sick? Is that what you're saying? No, don't hear what I'm not saying. But what I am telling you is you are in the middle of a battle. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you're like, oh, boy, do you know? I mean, you know? We were in a battle on the way with my wife. I was driving in here. I was like, you better be quiet. Kids are acting crazy. Like, they don't have any home training, right? You know, slinging kids. I grew up in a Hispanic family, so you got, they were called chanclas, okay? That's flip-flop, right? You're getting hit with chanclas in the back seat, right? You know, and then you walk in here, you're like, praise the Lord. <laughs> like, you better be quiet. I'm gonna, you're going to go meet Jesus if you don't straighten up. I'm going to send you. I brought you into this world. I'll take you out. Yeah, see? Faith, don't say that too much to your kids now. You, you walk through these things, and you experience them, right? And you're going through these challenges, and so you're going, whoa, I mean, that's not. Listen, it is a very real spiritual battle you're in, but there are some practical things that you can do to walk in it. I want to equip you with those over the next few minutes. First is this. You can be strengthened in the Lord in a few areas. First is in your attitude. You've heard it before. Your attitude determines your altitude. You ever heard that leadership thought? You know, well, it's more than just a great leadership thought. It's a principle. You see, your attitude does impact who you are and how you respond and how you can be strengthened in the Lord. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10 says, For the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord. You see, joy is not dictated by circumstances. Joy is actually a perspective. Because I'm not overwhelmed by a person or a circumstance. I have the perspective of joy because the one who holds all those circumstances in the palm of his hand is with me and for me. So I have access to that strength because I have joy. Doesn't mean you don't go through hard times. Doesn't mean you're not having a difficult moment. Doesn't mean things aren't challenging. But you go through it differently because of your perspective and you see it differently you see it differently we've all been around people who have a good attitude that's who we want to be around you don't want to be around people who don't have a good attitude you're like man they're just always negative and they're just always complaining and they're always this that and the other it's always half glass or the glass half empty not half full and da -da. you know you're like you don't after a while you're kind of like man less of that but you see people that walk through seasons and situations, circumstances, and it's like, man, they walk through the toughest times, and it's like, it's not like, the, I know their life. They're having challenging times. What's the difference? It's in their attitude, but their attitude doesn't come from just optimism and wishful thinking. It's the joy of the Lord. That's their strength. Because when you begin to have that, here's what it then begins to do. It begins to strengthen you in our mind. You can have the strength of the Lord in your mind. In your mind. 
You see, that's where the real battle is. Some of you know that book, Battlefield of the Mind. That's where the real battle is. Paul said this, Romans 8, chapter, five, or chapter 8, verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their mindset on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. You see, what you have your mind set on will determine your mindset. If you study any amount of leadership, corporate leadership, ex- high-level executive leadership, any type of influential leadership, you hear it all the time, mindset, 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 mindset. What's your mindset? You, you, and that's good. That's a good leadership thought. But the, bitter, the bigger question is, what is your mind set on? You see, when my mind is set on this word and his truth and his promises, then my mindset will be what it needs to be. So I have to understand, what is my mind? I need to think about what I'm thinking about. Are you allowing those thoughts, those vain imaginations, as you read about, to overwhelm you? Paul actually refers to this, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. He says, we demolish arguments and every pretensions that set itself up against the knowledge of God. And here it is. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You have to take those thoughts captive because they're going to overwhelm you. You see, I love how the Lord works. The Lord will always start in our heart and it will then impact our mind. But the way the enemy works is he starts in our mind and it begins to infect our heart. You, you, you start thinking those thoughts, and then you start getting frustrated and bitter, and you start getting hard-hearted, and you start going, well, I don't know, and how come, and this, that, and the other. Listen, here's where the enemy's trying to get you at. And the enemy's going, I'm going to start here, and if I start here, it's going to overflow, and it's going to start impacting. That means when the enemy throws that thought, you take it captive. You arrest it. Throw it in cuffs. Throw it in the car. Ship it out. Okay, it's you can take it captive and you can be strong in the Lord in our mind. Because when we do that, then it begins to impact what comes out of our mouth. We can be strong in the Lord in our words. You see, the world's way of fighting is yelling and arguing and just throwing as many opinions as they can at each other. Because words are powerful. But out of the mouth flows the abundance of the heart. What's in there is going to come out of you. If I've got a tube of toothpaste and I squeeze it, guess what's coming out? Toothpaste. I can want gold to come out all day long, but it ain't coming out. It's going to be toothpaste. And what's in you is going to come out of you is this word inside of you. That when those difficult, challenging times come, this is what comes out of you. Because pressure doesn't cause cracks, it only reveals them. And as the, you can try and insulate all yourself all day long, work even harder, go to, I'm going to relieve stress, I'm going to go work out, I'm going to do yoga, I'm going to do, look, I'm just throwing the Bible around, look at this, Lord forgive me. You, you're just trying to make it happen, you just, I'm going to go do yard work, I'm going to go to the hunting camp, I'm going to go do that, whatever it may be. And you can do your best to try and insulate yourself, but that's not going to help you because it's only a matter of time before that pressure is so much that what's in you is going to come out. That's what the writer of Proverbs says. Proverbs 18.21, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You see, when I start speaking God's word, it begins to strengthen me. When that's what's inside of me and those challenging hard times come, I'm in the middle of a battle and that's what comes out of me, then guess what? 
that's what begins to strengthen me. But here's the other end of that. You can do that for others as well. Yeah, have you ever gotten a phone call from someone and it's just been a rough day? How's it going? And you actually, because you have a relationship, or maybe it's just a moment of weakness, and you're like, I never do this, and you tell them how you're really doing. Life is terrible. It's hard. It's the worst day of my life, worst week of my life. And they start encouraging you and speaking life to you. And maybe they pray for you or they give you a, a scripture to read. And what happens to you? It's like life just begins to well up inside of you. And there's a strength that comes because of the words that you speak. You see, you can be that for someone else. But you have to first learn to be that for yourself. Because then what happens is you can be strong in the Lord in your relationships. In your relationships. God never intended for us to go at this alone. He never intended for us to walk it alone. I love that Paul uses the analogy of armor and soldier because what does that represent? A soldier is never off by himself. He's part of something bigger. He's part of a battalion. He's part of a group. He's part of a platoon, whatever it may be. You see, we need one another. You need people in your life to speak and to encourage People that are going to love you enough to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. When you come and go, hey, this is what I think I want to do. And they go, well, that may be a good idea. The only problem is it doesn't line up with this word. There have been times where I've, I've, I've spoken with individuals and they've told me, Pastor Chris, what do I do? My friend called me and he said, listen, you know, his friend was like, this is going on in my marriage and this is going on in my relationship. And you know what? I met this other person and you know what? I'm just going to leave my wife and go marry this other woman. I, well, what did you tell him? I just said, okay. And I'm like, that's an opportunity to go. I understand how you feel and I understand the challenges, but here's the only problem. That doesn't line up with this word. See, who in your life that when you have a thought and idea, when there's this negativity that's overwhelming you and, and you feel just like it's the end and you don't know how you're going to get through and you're in the middle of a spiritual battle, who's in your life that can say, I hear what you're saying, I understand how you feel. Or I understand how you may think that's a good idea and that may, seem, that may seem right now. The only problem is it doesn't line up with this word. You see, we need one another. God intended us to have relationships that encourage us in that way. You see, I want you to remember that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You're in a very real battle. It's a spiritual battle. But it's one you can be equipped for. One you can walk in victory in. Back to Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally. As you're pursuing unity, as you're growing in who you are in Christ, as you're learning how to, how to be filled with the Holy Spirit and, and how to build up and, and be a, a, a channel for God to work through as the distribution model, as the church to reach people and build lives. As you're growing in your relationships and your marriage, finally, be strong in the Lord. That's my prayer for you. Be strong in the Lord. You don't have to go it alone. He's working, and he's moving in your heart and your life, and your problem is not all the things and the circumstances. It's that you face a very real enemy, and you're in a very real battle that you can be equipped to walk in victory.